Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Y'all looking pretty good this morning. Sorry for the delay. I was waiting on my iPad. It wasn't. He says it's my fault. Probably is. It's okay. Here we go. I know you're probably wondering why there's an orange bucket up here, but that'll make sense <clears throat> shortly. Um, will you bring me a tissue right there, please? I'm glad Jackie's down here now this morning. She can hook me up. So the title for this morning's sermon is Mr. Miyagi. If you've ever seen The Karate Kid, you know who Mr. Miyagi is. And um, I had something happen to me yesterday that reminded me of something that happened to me two or three years ago. But two or three years ago, I preached a sermon called Don't Drink Pepsi. It was about the Pepsi Coke Challenge. And so I think it was Sunday morning, I come walking in of the kitchen, and, or maybe it was Saturday, day before you know church, and there was a Pepsi sitting on my counter. There's never been a Pepsi sitting on my counter ever, ever. We don't drink Pepsi. I don't even like Pepsi. Now, I don't have anything against you. If you like Pepsi, I just don't. And we don't drink it. We don't buy it. There's never been one. So I'm preaching on don't drink Pepsi, and I walk in the kitchen, there's a Pepsi there with about that much out of it. So I said, I mean, you know, I was like, who bought the Pepsi? I didn't care if they bought the Pepsi. It's just, it was just uh, you know, the Lord confirming my sermon. But I'm like, it excited me. I'm like, who bought the Pepsi? And everybody's like, <laughs> they didn't want to answer. Well, during the sermon, many, many times I said, don't drink Pepsi, don't drink Pepsi, don't drink Pepsi along the way. And um, so like the couple weekends later, you know, I didn't literally mean you can't drink Pepsi. But um, you know, sometimes you don't know why. You just got to trust the Lord. And so uh, one of my sons, he was actually at Trent's, uh, Trenton's Lake House, and they were going fishing stuff. And uh, he didn't know why. All he knew is I said, don't drink Pepsi. God didn't like Pepsi. <laughs> so they said... Uh, what do you want to drink? We've got a uh, you know this, this bunch of diet stuff, or we've got Pepsi. So they handed him a Pepsi. It was cow. They handed him a Pepsi, and he took it. <laughs> and then he said, a few minutes later, he said, "I can't drink this." <laughs> and they said, "Why not?" Or Tyler, another friend, said, "Why not?" And he said, "My dad said, <laughs> my dad said, God, <laughs> you don't like Pepsi." <laughs> Dad said we can't drink that. <laughs> I had to explain to him it's okay, you know. A Pepsi would actually be pretty good about right now. I haven't had a Coke in over two months. I'd probably turn one up and kill it. But uh. So Mr. Miyagi, I asked Jackie, I said, I'm thinking about calling the sermon Mr. Miyagi or perhaps Wax On, Wax Off. <laughs> so I walk in the kitchen first yesterday morning, get up, walk in the kitchen. A few of them are in there. And I look, what do you think's on the TV? Daniel's son. Karate Kid. And I said, who turned this on? Why is this on? And they're like, quiet again, because they're like, we're not supposed to watch Karate Kid. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so if you haven't watched Karate Kid, it's pretty good, pretty good film. But um, let's get going. We'll be in the book of Mark today. Is that me? That was you? Well, I do have my phone up here because I'm going to use that in my sermon as well. But we'll be in the book of Mark. And um, starting in the 10th, the 10th chapter, starting in the 46th verse here. It says, Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho, his disciples and a great multitude... Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. So here they come to Jericho, and they went out of Jericho, and the disciples are there with Jesus, and there's a great multitude, and here sits old blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And 
Timaeus means honor. Honor or that you're very, uh, the worth, the value, a great value. Honorable. That's what Timaeus means. Bar means son of, so it's son of honor or son of a great value. That means he's valuable. He's a son of honor. But he'd been given the name blind Bartimaeus. That wasn't his name. His name was Bartimaeus, but he'd been given the name blind Bartimaeus. Now I was thinking as I read that, I've known some blind people in my life. I mean, I can't really think of one right now, but I know there was some in high school. And I don't remember us ever saying, well, that's old blind Bobby. We just called him Bobby. But they called it, they'd given him a name. He was certified, he was blind, and he was uh, given the name blind Bartimaeus. And he sat by the road, what was he doing? He was begging. So you have to paint a picture of, of what this fellow was doing. And there's not a rabbit or anything in here, it's just a cup. But this man's sitting by the road, and he has uh, perhaps some change in his cup. And he just sits out there every day. He's a blind beggar and he's shouting and begging for change. Anybody got a penny, a nickel, a quarter, a dime, anything to spare? Because I'm depending on you for my clothes. I'm depending on you for a blanket. I'm depending on you for my next meal. Has anybody got any change to spare? That's what his life was. Every day, rattling a cup, asking for change. And I was also thinking about a fellow when I was a kid has nothing at all to do with the sermon. I'm just going to tell you anyway. When I was a kid, and I used to hunt in Lowndes County and with my uncle, and there was a fellow down there named Milton. And old Milton was alcoholic. And so when we grew up, we did uh, deer drives. And what that means is you take a bunch of men, you go down a, a stand of timber somewhere, and you would send dogs through. Well, we didn't have any dogs, but we had Milton. And so when I was a kid, so don't, don't get mad at me for this, but those men would offer Milton some wine or some cheap, nasty beer or something to walk through the woods with a can just like this to scare the deer out so they could be shot. Old Milton. So I was only about 12, and Milton said, Red, he said, people ask me, are you an alcoholic? And I just look them right in the eye, and I say, why no? Now, I didn't get that when I was 12. As I got older, I thought, oh, okay, he's, not, he's a wino, okay, I got it. But he would get, that, he would get out there and get checking that can and run those deer out. And Anyway, checking that can reminded me of Milton. And um, here we go. He sits by the road begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, he's been out here rattling this can, asking for change and shouting out his whole life. Why was today any different? Well, maybe it was because of what he was shouting. Not the fact that he was shouting, but it was what he was shouting, because he's shouting now, Son of David. See, the enemy don't mind you sitting out begging or asking for worldly things. The enemy doesn't care if you're asking for another man, another woman, another drug, another feel-good, another car, another truck, another house, another anything worldly. He don't care. But what the enemy doesn't want you to do is start asking for the Son of David, which is the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to ask him for that. He wants to keep you quiet. Do you see that? And the crowd will want to keep you quiet. That's why you've got to look around and see who you're surrounded by. But the crowds want him to stay silent. You know, I have to ask ourselves the question, are we going to stay quiet or are we just going to shout louder? Because the one the world wants to shut us down and our government, our current government, wants to keep us quiet. Are we going to get quiet or are we going to shout louder? The church is supposed to be shouting louder. We're supposed to be shouting, the King is here. And shouting all the more louder every day. The King is here. Is the end near? Well, the end gets closer to the end every day. We're not getting further away. People say we're close to the end. You are. We are. Every day we're a little closer. Amen. And the closer we get, the louder we are to shout. Amen. The enemy wants to keep you shaking this can. The enemy wants to keep us beggars. I preached a sermon one time called The Welfare Christian. 
That's what the enemy wants us to be, welfare Christians, where you're always depending on somebody else to put a nickel, penny, a dime, or a quarter in your cup. See, there are a lot of people depending on welfare, and I know there's some people it's a legitimate need, it's necessary, but there's a lot of people that's just as healthy and just as strong as me, and they can go to work, and they can learn a trade, and they can be prosperous, and they can be a benefit to others and help their family, help society. They could actually do something. Make a very good living, actually. But they're dependent on the government. They think they're pulling one over on the government's eyes. Yeah, because we're going to stay home, play video games all day, and watch, watch uh, Oprah. And we're just going to wait on that check. The government's keeping you down. You'll never rise above it. And this right here, you'll never rise above this. You can be a Christian beggar. And are you a Christian beggar? Are we Christian beggars? I don't know. Maybe some of us are. The enemy wants you to keep begging. It's a cool story. This is a cool story. So Jesus stood still and he commanded him to be called. So the others said, be quiet. And Jesus said, no, bring him to me. Bring him to me. Then they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer. The same people that just said, shut up. Would you shut up? Now they're saying, oh, it's okay. He's calling you. He's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He's not sitting on the side of the road begging. <clears throat> now he is following Jesus. Amen. It's a cool story. Um, the miracle. Now this man's uh, sight has been restored. Now he's not sitting on the side of the road shaking a can depending on somebody else. But now he can actually get up, get a job, go to work. He can fulfill the call and the purpose on his life. He needed his sight. Because without his sight, he's always depending on somebody else. He's always got the need. He's always depending on someone else. And when we very first started off the Scripture, I said, they came. They came. You remember if you're looking in the Bible there, it's, on the, it's in the 46th verse. They came. Who's they? <clears throat> well, if you back up in your Bible, you back up in Scripture, the disciples are with him. And James and John, they said, Jesus, uh, we, have, we have a question for you. We got a favor actually to ask you. We got a favor. He said, okay, what would you like for me to do to you? Much like the conversation he has here with Bartimaeus. Because Bartimaeus is shouting, uh, son of David, he said, what would you like for me to do for you? Well, he asked his disciples, what would you like for me to do for you? But they had a different request. They said, whenever you go and sit on your throne, your majestic throne, would you please put one of us on the right and one of us on the left? And he said, you don't really, I don't really think you know exactly what you're asking. Do you think you can drink? This cup that I'm about to drink, and he said um, that the kings and the officials lord over you. But in my kingdom, see, it works a little different. See, down here in this earthly thing, the kings and officials lord over you, but in my kingdom, the way to go up is to go down. Way down, way down here on these feet washing them. The way to go up is down. It's a little different. Praise the Lord. And it's a physical healing you see here. But if you read the whole chapter, if you read it all and you put it in context, it's a bigger issue than just healing Bartimaeus' eyes. He's really addressing the followers here, the disciples who've been with him. See, he's only a week and a half away from the cross. They've spent some time with him. they spent some time with him, but it appears that Bartimaeus is not the only one that can't see clearly. Even though they've been with him, but their vision's still a little dim. It's still a little hazy. They've lost their ability to see. And once you lose your ability to see, then you become dependent on other people. You become dependent on other things, other things that will never fill you up. Other things, other people that will never satisfy you. So it's a lot bigger than just healing a set of natural eyes. There's a set of spiritual eyes that God's dealing with here. Amen? He's not talking to the lost. He's addressing the followers. His followers. Who are his followers? Well, just take your finger and do this.
it's you, it's me. Who's he addressing? Who are the disciples in this scripture? Us. Who's Bartimaeus in this scripture? Us. Praise the Lord. The lights go out and you can't see. You need somebody to help you along the way, don't you? To lead you, to guide you when the lights go out. And so I get a phone call or a text from my wife says, get some AA batteries on your way home because the tornado is coming. I think I was on the phone with, I was on the phone with Trenton. And I said, Jackie's want some daggum double A batteries. Putting this stupid weather radio she just bought. That thing's gonna be going hank, hank, hank all the time. And I don't want to hear it. But she respects the weather and pays attention to those things. I don't. I mean, the tornado just came through, just nearly missed us, and obviously everybody knows how bad it destroyed Fultondale. Everybody's down in the basement, and I'm like, I'm in the bed thinking, well, when the house starts rocking, then I'll run down there. <laughs> That's not a good idea. I understand, but I, you know, obviously you never think it's going to get you. So moments later, she's like, see, you idiot, you should listen to me. It's not nice to call your pastor an idiot. But you'll listen to me for now on. But I don't care about those stupid batteries and flashlights and candles and all that stupid stuff until the lights go out. It's like I don't want to hear about the batteries or the flashlights or you know, you gotta be prepared in case the power goes out, so we gotta have some light and all that. I don't care about that until the lights go out. And then I'm like, babe, where's that light? I need some help. Why? Because now I can't see. I, don't, I can't see. And the kids do it all the time too. It happened yesterday morning. We're going to a baseball game. Uh, where's my dugout jacket? I don't know. I don't wear your dugout jacket. You probably left it at school like you do everything else. No, I didn't. Well, you probably left it in your car. No, I'll clean my car out. Definitely ain't in there. I need my dugout jacket. Well, I don't have it. I don't know where it's at. And then all of a sudden, Jackie looks in the window of the car and goes, right there in your car. Now, I notice mom doesn't know anything until the lights go out. She don't know nothing about no homework. I don't want to hear nothing about how I'm supposed to be eating. I don't want to hear about any of this stuff until the lights go out. Then it's mom. I can't find mom. Where's the Where's it? Yeah, I do it too. I don't call her mom though. Like Jack, you know, I can't find things. She hides my stuff from me. <laughs> All women do this. We put it where we want it. I like all my stuff just thrown right out there on the dresser. She has to put it in a place. Jeez. Yeah. Y'all know my pain. You know what I'm talking about. But the lights go out. Sometimes the lights go out in serious matters. Your heart's been broken and the lights go out. And the marriage didn't work and the lights go out. And I prayed for this, but I didn't get what I prayed for. Now my lights are out and now my bucket's empty and I'm needing somebody to fill it. I'm needing things in my life, in my bucket that'll never satisfy. And you're like the disciples asking, hey, can I have a seat a certain seat at the table and you forget that you're already seated at the table. I need validation. I need acceptance. Jesus, can I get some validation? Facebook, can I get some acceptance? I mean, if I get some likes on Facebook, I mean, it makes me feel good getting some likes. It's just a little change in my bucket here. I'm just, I'm just needing something to fill me up. Oh, somebody shared it. I got a lot of shares. I got some comments. People like it. Just some validation. Employee of the month. I got my own parking spot. I got that raise. I got that this, that, or the other. And I'm just needing something to fill up my bucket. And I'm just a blind, begging Christian. I just need some love. I'm tired of being alone. You don't know what it's like. And now all of a sudden you're like John Travolta, urban cowboy looking for love in all the wrong places. Love that will never satisfy you or fulfill you and always leave you needing more. And really at the end of the day all you're doing is getting somebody's spare change. That's it. 
the disciples, the beggar's not the only one that needed his eyes opened. But it's bigger. The disciples needed their eyes opened as well. And I think about he's, he's addressing the disciples. He's teaching them something. He's showing them something. Two different things are taking place here entirely. He's healing a man of his eyes, but he's also healing the disciples of a different set of eyes. And I think about, do we come to church with a bucket? Because I'm telling you something right now. All I can do for you is this. That's it. Praise and worship, that's all you're going to get. But I know somebody can fill this bucket up. But you can't come expecting me or any other human being to fill your bucket up. It can only be filled up by one and one only, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega. He can fill your bucket up. I think for years, many people for years, perhaps this morning, been doing it for years. You come to church and you get some coins in your bucket, just enough to tide you over until about Tuesday. And then by Tuesday comes around, and the next thing you know, you need something else. Crowd wants to keep you silent, and the crowd wants to keep you broke. And anytime the crowd keeps you silent, and anytime the crowd keeps you broke, it keeps you blinded. And then, um, you know. Who is the crowd? You don't understand. You say get new friends, but me and this guy, we go way back. Yeah, and you've been in a broken state ever since y'all started hanging out. Goes way back. Turn around, look behind you. Retrace your steps. Are they lifting you up or pulling you down? Amen. Sometimes you've got to chunk them. They're good to you, but they're not good for you. That man, we're just going to chunk them to the curb and forget about them. No, you need to go get your life straight. Then we'll go back and rescue them. But you're not going to rescue anybody. You're still treading for water because they're hanging on to your ankles, drowning you. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you've got to chunk them. But this, this man cries out, Son of David. Son of David. That's important. He didn't say, Hey, buddy, can you spare some change? See, everybody else came by. He's like, Spare some change. Excuse me, sir. Can you spare some change? Excuse me, ma'am. Have a little change, sir. Excuse me. Any change? But then Jesus comes by. He's not rattling his can at him. And he doesn't say, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. He says, son of David. That means something. See, that means something. He's saying the king is here now. The son of David, what that was saying is, if you read Scripture and study it, is this is him. This is the Messiah. This is our Lord and Savior. This is the one who was sent to rescue. This is the one we've been waiting for, son of David. So now he's saying, you're number one. You're number one. He's not just an average ordinary dude, but this is son of David. This is the number one, and he's got to be your number one. Anytime he's number two, that means you're not seeing clearly. He can't be number two. He's number two in your life, but you can't figure out why things aren't working out in my finances. The finances are so jacked up, Dave Ramsey can't even help you. Why? Because he's number two. My marriage is falling apart. Well, Jesus is number two. And when he's number two, you lose sight. Things in life grow dim. And things are out of place. And when you're out of place, when he's out of place, guess what? He's out of sight. He's got to be number one. And when he's saying son of David, that's what he's saying. The number one's here. God can't be number two. It's entirely impossible for him to be number two because he's number one. Just because you're, he's not your number one doesn't mean he's still not number one. He's number one. He can't be number two. We go around through life, he's number two, wondering why. Wondering why things aren't working out. When he's first in your life, I can tell you, all things will work together for your good. Amen? You'll be anxious for nothing. He'll say, take on my yoke, because it's real easy, and my burden is light. That's how things change when he goes from number one to number two. You can, if he's number two, you're a blind beggar. And see, that's when you have to stop and take, you know, companies stop once a year and they take uh, inventory. So we have to take inventory of our hearts. Is he number one or is he number two? Where's he at in my life? Where does he line up? This coat that he has. 
throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. That means something. So you read on down a little further. The next scripture says, Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want to do for me? And he says, I need to receive my sight. I want to receive my sight. He didn't say like a woman with the issue of blood. He didn't say to himself, if I can only get to Jesus, if I can only touch his garment, if I can only do any of these things, then I'll receive my sight. He didn't say those things. So, But Jesus says here, he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Why was it? How did his faith make him well? You ever read that and wonder that? How did his faith make him well? Just because he sent ask for his sight? No, I think it's because he said, Son of David, number one, and number two, this very important detail right here, he took his garment, his coat, because see, they had been given coats. If you're a beggar, if you're blind, you would go up to your government and they would examine you and say, you know what, you can't contribute to society. It's obvious that you can't work, you can't make a living, so we're going to label you certified beggar. You're a certified beggar. And we're going to give you this coat to wear. Now when you have this coat, you put this coat on, and you're on the street begging, everybody will know that you've been a certified beggar. You're, you're not hustling. You're not at the gas station hustling money, then getting in your BMW and going home to your house that's nicer than mine. Because that happens all the time. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you so you'll know who's hustling. He's been given this coat. Now he's on the street. And when you see the man with the coat rattling his can, they're throwing pennies and nickels and dimes in his can because he's a certified beggar. But here's where I think his faith came in. He took this coat off. It says he threw his garment to the side. He threw it to the side, throwing aside his garment. Some translations say cloak, some say coat. And then he, he came up, Jesus came up to him and he says, Here's what I want. I want to receive my sight. Go your way. Your faith, your faith. It's your faith. Your faith. And then he followed Jesus on the road. And I can't help but think of how many people in here have been given a coat. You've been certified. And see, when he was certified by the government, now everybody on the street had given him this identity. He's not Bartimaeus. He's blind Bartimaeus. Begging blind Bartimaeus. And many people in here have been certified. Maybe you've had a felon, felony, so now you're a certified felon. Or maybe you've been given an identity and you're a home wrecker. Or been given lots of identities. Maybe it started back in high school where they put a stamp on your back you've been toting it around your whole entire life wearing that coat right there that's got an identity tied to it. But Brian Bartimaeus, he decided, I'm tired of wearing this coat. I'm not carrying this identity anymore because I don't have to because the son of David, the king, is here. I'm taking this old identity off and it's time for the new creation. Amen. Amen. And some of you here, some people at the sound of my voice, or wearing a coat that you've been wearing your whole life that somebody gave you and certified you, an identity to go with it. But let me tell you, Jesus is here this morning just like He was there for Bartimaeus. He's here this morning. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Praise the Lord. And He wants you to throw off that old coat and put on a new coat, a new coat of righteousness, a new coat of favor, a new coat of mercy, a new coat of peace that surpasses all understanding, a new coat of healing, a new, a new coat. You know what's going to fill you up? Not chains, not quarters, not dimes, not nickels, but the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. He said, that old coat, throw that old thing away. Sometimes you've got to not worry about people around you. They can't keep you quiet. Too many Christians are quiet because who's around you? You don't want to offend them. You don't want. To, you certainly don't want them to think you're some kind of Jesus freak. I mean, you go to the red light and you have your radio crunk up, crunk up. That's wide open, getting crunk, or get it crunk. There's a lot of ways to get crunk. You need to come up in here and get crunk. And you're listening to some secular music, worldly music. But people don't... I don't think I've ever in my entire life sat at a red light and heard any Christian music blare on anybody's radio ever. Never. 
I mean, there's probably people in here that do it. I've just never been by you to Red Light. <laughs> but I've heard all kind of other terrible stuff sitting at Red Lights. I mean, some stuff's pretty good. I'd be like, turn my radio down and listen to it. You know, some Skinner or something's playing. Yeah, Sweet Home Alabama, Row Tide. But, but sometimes you hear terrible things. But what I'm saying is, why do Christians keep quiet? Why, why don't everybody's going out drinking? I really don't want to drink, but what are they going to think of? I'm some kind of dork? No. It's just you found something else to fill you up. He threw his coat off. He was tired of being who they said he was. And you don't have to be who they say you are. See, who they say you are don't matter. The only thing that matters is who he says you are. Amen. But I need friends. Yeah, you do. You just need different friends. I need help. You do. But you don't need that kind of help. A penny and a nickel and a dime. And I need change. You do need change. But that's not the kind of change you need. You need a change not without, but a change within. He got sick and tired of being sick and tired and sick and tired of being at the mercy of others. And anytime you're at the mercy of others, your eyes are always going to be dim. Like I said, we come to church, get a few coins, and then what? Tuesday, our cup's empty and we need something else. And you're going to club looking for love. Or you're on your computer looking at some kind of trash. Or maybe you're involved in different types of drugs or alcohol or just you just need some attention i just need somebody to notice me and give me some attention and this man's got this cup right here and he needs this thing his daily meal is dependent on this thing his daily meal is dependent on this thing but you know what every day he's out there again because he he needs it for the next day and the next day and the next day because it's a cup that keeps running dry and the cup that you try to fill with worldly things is always going to run dry. If they don't, then what? If they don't, then what? It's the same old routine, routine, routine every day. What about my friends? If they don't do this, then what? Or if they don't love me or they don't accept me or, or you know, then what? Then what? The relationships didn't work well. That relationship didn't work well. Well, that relationship wasn't nothing but a dime. That friend who I thought was my friend stabbed me in the back. Well, at the end of the day, all that friend was was a penny. And things didn't work out. My job didn't work out. The way I had things planned didn't work out. And now you're needing a helping hand. God didn't call you to need a helping hand. He called you to be a helping hand. And you can't help somebody out when your cup's empty and you're a beggar and you're shaking and you're always needing a dime, a quarter, a nickel in your cup. You can help somebody when your cup's overflowing and spilling out onto the ground. Amen? Have you ever went up? Have you, have we, has anybody in here ever went downtown to downtown Birmingham and found a homeless guy and said, Hey, bub, uh, I need to borrow about 20. No, because you don't expect them to be able to help you. They actually need 20. God didn't call us to need 20. He called us to give 20. To be a lender, not a borrower. Amen? Amen. But this guy's shaking this cup. He's shaking this cup. And then all of a sudden now, he, he, he meets Jesus, son of David. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He's been hearing about son of David. And he hears Jesus coming through and he calls him out, son of David. And what Jesus has for you, it can't be contained in this cup. Now, I'm just going to give you a visual of the difference between a man or worldly things and what Jesus has for you. But Jesus, he says, you want me to fill your cup? I'll fill your cup. That's how Jesus fills your cup. And don't come up here getting this changed. That's a thousand dollars right there. Don't touch it. <laughs> it's 
Seriously. <laughs> now, I don't care. The, the point is, what Jesus has can't be contained in the cup because His cup runneth over. His cup never runs dry. What He gives you is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen. 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 What He gives you is exceedingly above, abundant, more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. That's what He's got to give you. What He's got for you can't be contained in a silly little cup. He's not wanting to put change in your cup. He's wanting to put change in your heart, in your life. Change you from the inside out, not from the outside in. There's nothing that can change you from the outside in. Doctors, nurses, medical teams, they always try to change you from the outside. Nothing against them. I've used them many times, but Jesus does it a different way. He changes you from the inside. And then what he's saying is what I have can't be contained in this cup, obviously. And what he's got is just like that. Perpetual, never running out. It never stops. It's just a waterfall. It just keeps coming. It never runs dry. The spring is, is flowing. The river of life is flowing. It never runs dry. Praise the Lord. I got Jackie's change. That's my change. But she gets my change every day and puts it in this little bucket about this big. And when it gets filled to the top, it's always about $1,000. And she rolls it up and uses it for vacations and things like that. So it's been full for a while and it's overflowing and running onto the ground. So I put it in the bucket. She said, what are you doing with that change in that bucket? And I said, well, you know how I told you that when you got the bucket full that you could have it, count it up? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, uh, you got a bigger bucket. We raised the bar. So it's going to take a few more years. But when I went to get this bucket, because I was searching for one last night, I found one. And I was really not sure if I was going to do this this morning. I thought, that's just silly. But then I found this bucket and it said, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, the Lord will talk to you through a bucket. A Home Depot bucket. I probably bought that thing years ago and the Lord already knew I was going to use it this morning. That's how it works. Let's do this. Amen. We come and get a few coins at church, then we need some more. I'll tell you that what He's got for you can't, can't be contained in the cup. Praise the Lord. So I don't have a bucket. I don't have a bucket. Well, maybe you do. Maybe this is your bucket. Maybe this is your bucket. Oh, I just need, I just need a few more likes. A few more shares. There's a penny in my bucket. Oh, they're making some comments. I put my weight loss on. They're tracking my weight loss. They're, they're supporting me. That's a quarter. <laughs> oh, I got a lot of shares. I got 1,000 views. That's a dime. This, this can be your cup. This can be your cup. You're trying to fill your cup with this. Social media, some attention, some acceptance from a bunch of people. They don't give a rat's bag leg about you. They'll never be able to fill your cup. Who cares what they think? Uh, you need to be concerned what he thinks. Praise the Lord. He didn't come to give you change, but he came to change you. He came to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's not pennies or dimes or nickels or quarters. Sometimes there's miracles in other people's life, and I have to think about I wonder what happened after this. Like if the disciples, if, if they were like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, we're getting this. Because a lot of times we hear sermons, I know, I've done it. I used to do it all the time, practically every Sunday. I sit in a chair and I would be like, I mean, this is a good sermon right here. I hope, I hope he's listening to this. I'd be like, wow, I mean, that fits their life perfect. You've done it. Some of you are probably doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting by this old beggar over here. Begging. Welfare Christian over here. But we see miracles in our own life and then we miss the miracle in our own life. We see miracles in someone else's life, I mean, and we miss the miracle that's taking place in our life. I think about, well, Scott, the only one I know personally firsthand, <clears throat> but he went to another country. And he went to a, a very poor country, and they didn't have anything. They were just eating rice and beans, three meals a day, little kids, and they're wrapping their arms and legs around him, and they're holding on to him, <clears throat> and everybody's crying, you know? 
And uh, he prayed for people, laid hands on people. People were re ready to receive healing and receive miracles, and they did receive miracles. And obviously it was awesome for him. But I, when he came back home, who got changed more, them or him? See, there's two miracles taking place. And, I mean, just going downtown and feeding homeless did did work world for me. I mean, did a world for me. It did a world for everybody that was there that day. Because when we went down there, we took donated goods to give them. We gave it all out. Then everybody who was on the trip said, take us shopping, drive the van to shopping. We're going to spend our own money. We're going to buy them some clothes. We're going to buy them some things. And then me and another fellow ended up down there late that night to deliver those things that these people had bought. And let me tell you, it was bone-chilling cold. But I came back to church the next day realizing, did it do more good for the homeless or for the people that went? So there's two miracles taking place of what I'm saying. Don't miss the miracle taking place in your life when you see something else going on, uh, when you see the things taking place in someone else's life. Um, can be a double miracle is what I'm saying. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. He told his disciples, when they said, we want to sit at the right, we want to sit at the left. And then the other disciples said, what they say? And they're kind of grumbling about it. He said, hey guys, the way up's down. I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve. And ultimately what he was saying is, y'all blind. Y'all aren't seeing very clearly. And he worked a miracle in his life. At the same time, he's working a miracle in Bartimaeus' life. And I think ultimately what he's saying is, you're begging for change, but you are the change. See, a lot of times we come to church shaking this can, begging for change, rattling the change, but Jesus is saying, no, no, I'm not giving you change. You are the change. You want to see things change in your life? You want to see things change in your family? You want to see things change in your workplace or the group of people you hang around with or in this city that we live in or in this nation we live in? It's not about that change. It's about this change. And you are the change. You'll bring the change. The church is supposed to make the change. Talking about welfare Christians, people wouldn't be dependent on the government if the church did what the church was supposed to do. Two sets of eyes are opened here today. Mr. Miyagi, he said, uh, paint the fence. So Daniel's son's painting this fence. He said, no, not like this. Like this. Paint the fence. Y'all remember? Wax on, wax off. Not like this, not like this. It's a certain way. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And if you remember the movie, Daniel's son, he got a little aggravated. He got a little frustrated. Because he's like, I've been doing all these things. I've been doing this wax on, wax off. I've been doing this paint the fence. But I just understand, just understand what this is doing. What is this accomplishing? Painting the fence, waxing on, waxing off. I've been going to church. Ain't nobody noticed. I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit cussing. I quit looking at porn on the internet. I quit beating my old lady. I quit cheating on my husband. I quit doing drugs. I quit whatever it is you're doing. I'm just trying to be real. But I don't understand. Ain't much changing. Nobody's even noticing. Is there any validation here? And he's like... I don't understand, Mr. Miyagi, why not I keep painting the fence, waxing on, waxing off? What's this got to do with anything? And then all of a sudden, Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel, son, paint the fence. And he goes, yeah, and he throws a punch at him. And he, he paints the fence and he blocks it. And then he throws another punch and he's waxing on and waxing off. And then the next thing you know, Daniel's son's like, oh, wow, okay. He's like, whoa, now I'm Bruce Lee. <laughs> He's like, this was doing something. I didn't even realize he was working a miracle in my life. And then one day you're just going to wake up and I'm going to tell you, you're going to see the, the, how you've been being changed one step, one step at a time, one day at a time from the inside out. And you're going to wake up and you're going to be feeling like Daniel, son. You're going to be feeling like Bruce Lee. That's how it works. Don't miss it, what he's working in your life. Your vision can grow dim, I know. Anna, come on up, whoever coming with you. Your vision can grow dim. 
Because it's a world, the world's a main place. And the world will eat you up and spit you out. The world ain't got nothing good for you except a bunch of lies. Tricks of the enemy. But with life, there's circumstances. And through these circumstances, life brings, your vision can grow very dim. And then all of a sudden, we don't see clearly. We make excuses. I don't have time. I don't have time for the Word. I don't have time for church. I don't have time to serve at church. I don't have time for the men's group. I don't have time for the women's group. I don't have time for Sunday school. I just don't have time. I'd go help them, but I don't have time. I'd go serve. Like Jesus said, He didn't come to be served, but to serve. I, I would serve, but I just don't have time. I got so much going. Ain't nobody in here got more going than I do. I work a full-time job just like everybody in here. And I have another business on the side. And I'm your pastor. So saying you don't have time, that's a bad excuse. You make time to do what you want to do. God's the only one that can fill you. God's the only one that can fill you. And you can go through life being a beggar. You can come to church every Sunday and be a beggar, a Christian beggar. God's the only one that can fill you. He's the only one that can fill you. Amen? I'm reminded about the woman at the well. She goes to the well. She's got this bucket. She's going to get some water, not some change. And Jesus just happens to go that way. No, He planned to go that way. And He comes along this lady and He says, Hey, what's up? Listen, I got some different kind of water for you. It's a water that'll never run dry. It's like a spring welling up on the inside of you. And if you'll just take that water, you'll never get thirsty again. And you know what she did? She left her bucket at the well and she went back to her hometown and she preached and she told other people about Jesus. She didn't need the bucket anymore. She didn't need the bucket anymore because now she's got water, living water on the inside of her. He didn't fill her from the outside, but he filled her from the inside. I don't need this bucket anymore. There's no insignificant details in the Bible. The book of Ephesians says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put off Put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what this blind beggar did. Blind Bartimaeus. You know what he did? He took off his coat. He said, I've been wearing this coat for a lot of years. And this coat right here had an identity. And the identity said, I'm blind Bartimaeus. But I'm not blind Bartimaeus anymore. I'm just Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus means son of honor. Son of something that's very valuable. He said, I'm not certified anymore. I'm sonified. Daughterified. That was his real name, Bartimaeus. Not blind Bartimaeus. He threw off his cup. I kind of picture this. He's got his cup. He's got his cup and he's shaking his cup any day, like any other day. Anybody got any spare change? Anybody got a quarter? Anybody got a dime, nickel, anything? He's shaking his change. Then he hears a commotion because it's a multitude coming through town. And he's like, who's that? And they said, it's Jesus. And when Jesus is approaching, he says, son of David, number one, king of kings, lord of lords. They said, shut up. And he said, I can't be quiet. I've got to shout all the louder. Son of David. And Jesus stops. He says, bring him to me. And he brings him to me. He says, he takes off his coat, throws it down. He don't need it anymore. He don't need it anymore. You know what he don't need anymore? He don't need this cup anymore. Get that crap out of here. Because I got the real thing. Because you know why? The king is here. And I'm not who they say I am, but now I'm who he says I am. 
Who do you say I am, son of David? He healed his eyes. You're not blind Bartimaeus. You're just Bartimaeus. Now you can go fulfill your purpose. Now you can go fulfill your calling because I've filled you up. Praise the Lord. That gets me excited. Maybe you've never been broke, busted, and disgusted, but I have. I know what it feels like to shake a can and rattle a can and be begging and needing something else to fill it up, needing something else to fill it up, needing something else to fill it up. And I also know what it feels like to be filled up with the Holy Spirit and not giving a rat's back leg about anything else. I don't need nothing to fill it up. I got so much forward momentum, if I quit right now, I'd keep on going for a long time before I, quit, before I turn around and start coming back down. That's what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to quit. We're going to keep the ball rolling. Amen. Who have they said you are? Have they labeled you? Have you been living under that identity? What do they call you? What do they call you? What coat are you wearing? Are you rattling a bucket? Are you just getting quarter of dimes and nickels and pennies from anybody you can? I don't know. Only you know. Take an inventory. Is he first or is he second? Today can be your day to say I'm taking off the coat. I'm chunking it. I don't need it anymore. This can. Don't need it anymore because the king is here. And I'm who he says I am. Amen? We're going to close with a song. And that's what we're going to sing about. We're going to sing about I am who He says I am. And we're going to sing about the King is here. And sometimes the loudest decision that you'll make is in your heart. And I want you to know the altar is absolutely open as always. Let's stand up. Let's join.